Morning. We just sang, Great Are You, Lord. Everybody say, Great is the Lord. Lord, be big in my life. I, yeah, come, let's, let's gather together on Sundays expecting to make much of Jesus together and to give ourselves to him. Uh, it is good to be with you, church family. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. And as we gather to celebrate each Sunday, as we gather out of thankfulness to all, for all that God has done, um, are we expectant? What do we, what do we come? Do we come just to kind of go through the motions? Do we come because habit or tradition? Or do we come because we need to gather with God's people, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and because we need to hear from him, and because we need to offer our thanksgiving to him? Uh, church family, those of us that are followers of Jesus, if you are a Christian, if you have given your life over to Jesus, recognizing that you cannot save yourself, then we want to learn to live by the Spirit, Right? The scripture talks about living by the Spirit or learning to walk by the Spirit. Is that your desire as you come this morning? Is it our hope and our desire and our prayer that God would so work into our, into, in our lives, pour his love into us, that it would overflow out of us, that we would be able to live out the ways of Jesus in our world, in our spheres of influence? We need to, we need to gather as a church family weekly because we need each other and we need him. We gather together so that we can cooperate with what God is doing in our lives, so that we can submit ourselves to Jesus, so that we can put ourselves in a place where the Holy Spirit can just continue to fill us and grab a hold of us and work in us and transform us from the inside out, make us into new people, so that we can put ourselves in hallways where the Holy Spirit is active, so that he can not only change us, but that he can work through us to bring his love to a hurting world. Is that our desire? We're in a series of messages that we're calling Hallways because we are asking God this summer, uh, each, each Sunday, to, to show us a, a different hallway. We're using this metaphor of, of, of what are some spiritual practices, what are some uh, opportunities we have as Jesus followers to, uh, yes, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God lives within you. That is already true. And yet we ask, we ask him this summer to say, okay, well, what are these hallways? What are these spiritual practices? What are these opportunities where we have an opportunity to be filled by the Spirit so that we can learn to live by him, so that we can learn to walk by the Spirit? So um, that's our series. And I want to start this morning here with a couple of questions for you to ponder. And sometimes I ask you to call out your answers and, and we kind of share those together. This time I'm going to ask you just to think these over. Uh, just to ponder these in your, in your mind and, and have, have these questions hopefully prepare us for what God wants to remind us of this morning. First of all, when you think of spiritual milestones in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus uh, and, and you've been a follower of Jesus for some time, what, what's been your experience? What are some milestones in your faith journey? What do you, what do you look back on? What, do you, what, what were kind of marker points along the way of following Jesus that you look back on and you remember as significant points of your faith and growth? Think about that. And, and what comes to your mind? And remember some of those spiritual milestones, those markers in your journey. And then the second question I want us to ponder here as we get started is this. Um, 
once you have a direction, once you have a way forward, once you know what is important to you and what you need to do, do you always just plow forward with no problem? Do you always stay completely on course? Or do sometimes you wander off in the heart or mind? Do you ever need a reminder? Do we stay totally focused all the time, no problem? Or are there ever distractions that, that take us off course or, or ways in which we try now on our own strength to stay on track as if it's our own power that keeps us saved or being transformed into the Christ-likeness? Well, Faith Church, uh, many of you know that Faith Church, our local church, is a part of an association of churches across the country called the EFCA, or the Evangelical Free Church of America. And this first thing that I'm going to put on the screen here, the, next, the first couple of slides, are directly from our statement of faith. Uh, I believe it's Article 8 about what the church is. What is the local church, and what is the significance of the local church in our lives? And one part of the statement of faith regarding the church says this, that's on the screen. The Lord Jesus mandated two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So what are these? What are ordinances? Well, um, ordinances, or you may in your, in your life have heard of them referred to as sacraments. These, these two ordinances are, are spiritual practices, I'm going to suggest this morning that they are hallways where the Spirit is active. These are spiritual practices, and actually, the statement goes on to say what they are, that visibly and tangibly express the gospel. So we'll talk about that a bit more. What are these? What are these ordinances? They are spiritual practices, uh, both of which, baptism and the Lord's Supper, one of the main things that, that is true because of our practice of these two is that they set apart those who are in Christ. They set apart those who are walking with Christ, who have trusted Christ for salvation. Those that are baptized are, are differentiating themselves from the world, setting themselves apart, publicly proclaiming their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. And those believers in Jesus that share in the Lord's Supper as they gather together, are, are, it's a visible and outward marking that sets us apart as the believing community. It, it's differentiating us from the world around us. So I love, you've heard me on this before if you've been around for a while, I love the phrase these, that these two visibly and tangibly express the gospel. They're, they're, we get to participate in them. The, the person being baptized feels the water. As we share in the Lord's Supper, we eat and drink. And so they're tangible expressions of the gospel, and, and, they're, and they're visibly portraying a message of God's good news as the world sees these ordinances practiced. So that's a little bit about what these are, baptism and the Lord's Supper. What are they not? The, this, the statement continues on the next slide. Though they are not the means of salvation, when celebrated by the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper, uh, when celebrated by the church in genuine faith, these ordinances confirm and nourish the believer. What I love about this is there's an important thing here to be reminded of, of what they are not, and what are they not? They are not 
salvific. They are not the reason you are a Christian. Being dunked in the water doesn't make you a Christian. It's, it's trusting in Jesus alone for salvation that made you a believer in Jesus. And baptism is obeying his command to, to portray that and proclaim that to the world. Are you with me on that? And the same with the Lord's Supper. It's important that we understand that we gather together as a church family and we share in the cracker and the juice that represent the body and the blood. And it's not the, the cracker and the juice that save us. It's not participating in the Lord's Supper that means we are a believer. But I love the rest of that statement up there. But there is significance to these. Jesus commanded them for a purpose. Because when we celebrate these together in genuine faith, when we have faith in Jesus, when we recognize that it's Jesus who saves, and we celebrate that it's he who has saved us, and then we share in these ordinances together, they confirm. They, 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 they confirm for us our, our faith. They remind us of our faith. They are spiritual milestones and markers along the way. And, the, and, the, and we're nourished. Nourished spiritually for our continued growth. So this morning... I am suggesting that the two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, uh, I think we could consider them hallways where the Holy Spirit is active. Number one, uh, I had you think about spiritual milestones. I think spiritual milestones are important. I think for those of you that are followers of Jesus, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a week or for 40 years, I think it's important that we have opportunities to, to set down markers, to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. To, to, to remember points in the journey that God is using to grow us in him. And so these spiritual milestones are significant, and baptism is certainly one of them. And I think also we need, I ask you to consider whether you always stay on track or whether you ever get sideways a little bit. I think I and I think each believer in Jesus need ongoing reminders of the reality of the spectacular news of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, his death, his life, death, and resurrection. And so we come to the Lord's table to be reminded of his death for us. So that statement from our statement of faith says that, the, that Jesus mandated these two ordinances and that they visibly and tangibly express the gospel. Then we, should, then we should take a moment to make sure we're on the same page about what is the gospel. The gospel is God's good news that sinners like you and I are not left in our sin, stuck and separated from God, doomed to, to hell and, and the consequences of our sin. The good news of the gospel is that God rescues sinners. He doesn't leave us there in our mess. God rescues us. He pursues us. He comes out of the heavens. He does not stay distant. He sends his son into our midst, into our mess. His son, who could remain God on high, all the glory, all that he had, Jesus comes instead and sets that aside and becomes a human man, and not only becomes a human man, but submits himself to death so that we might live Church family, the gospel is the spectacular good news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We cannot save ourselves. God created you. He created you to be in relationship with him. But our first parents, the first stories of the Bible show us that they went their own way. 
They chose to put themselves in the role of God, and we say, oh man, all this sin in the world, it's, it's their fault. <laughs> put yourself in that situation. We are sinners too by nature and by choice. If we were there instead of our first parents in the garden with everything perfect and everything the way it should be, we too would have questioned God's goodness and we too would have succumbed to the lies of the evil one and put ourselves on the throne and eaten the fruit, the forbidden fruit. So we are sinners by nature and by choice. And the good news of the gospel is that God created you to be in relationship with him, but that relationship is broken by our sin. Our, we're, 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 we've, we've gone against God. We've gone our own way, but God doesn't leave us there, that he created a solution. He created a rescue plan. He sent his son, as we've already said, and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection makes it possible for us to be forgiven of our sin, brought into God's family, and, and receive life, life now and life forever. And the gospel is spectacular news, but it's news that requires a response. We don't just look at the spectacular news. We don't read the spectacular news in our Bible and then walk away. The gospel is good news that requires a response. It requires our hearts and minds to recognize that we cannot save ourselves. There's nothing I can do trying hard, doing good, being a good person, going to church, doing the things. Maybe God will like me. Maybe if I do enough, I'll earn brownie points and I can go to heaven someday. No! The gospel is spectacular news that it's all about what God has done for you in Christ. It has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with what Jesus has already done on the cross. And the gospel requires a response of submission, of giving our heart and life and mind to Jesus to follow him as master and Lord. So we're going to talk some, a little bit more now about baptism and the Lord's Supper, about these two ordinances. And in some ways, this morning is a little different than, than we normally do with our, our, our message time. Most often, what we do at Faith Church is we get into a passage of Scripture and we study our way through a book of the Bible. And this morning, though, is in some ways, it's still teaching, it's still God's Word, but I think what it is this morning is it's preparing us for opportunities that we have today and in two weeks from now, to participate in these hallways that we're calling the ordinances. Today, we have an opportunity to share in the Lord's Supper, and we want to understand that hallway. And two weeks from now, we have the opportunity for those that have, are followers of Jesus but have not yet been baptized, we have the opportunity in two weeks from today to celebrate together the baptism of believers. And so today is kind of a, a teaching and a ton of instruction to prepare ourselves for those. Sound good? Yes. With me for a few more minutes? Yes. Okay. So the two ordinances. We'll start with baptism. Where, why do I say that baptism is a command? Why do I say that it's, that it's our chance to obey Jesus' command? Well, first place I think of is at the end of Matthew, what we know as the Great Commission. Before he, after he had, had been crucified, dead and buried, and rose again, before Jesus ascended back into heaven, ascended to the right hand of God, among his last words were what we call the Great Commission. They're on the screen. Go, therefore, and make disciples. The primary command from Jesus in this passage is that we are to make disciples. 
the primary command in the language there is that we as followers of Jesus are to help other people follow Jesus. And then there's the way that this passage is structured, there's some explanation um, about how we do that. How do we make disciples? And one way is going. As we go in our life, we are to help other people follow Jesus. Baptizing them, part of the command to make disciples is to baptize and to enfold them into God's community and then to teach them everything that God, um, to observe everything that God has commanded. And the other place I think about baptism being commanded is, uh, well, throughout scriptures in many places, but in particular we see in the book of Acts, and here's a passage where the apostles have been just preaching the good news of, of Jesus, of life through Jesus, and when the crowds hear this, they were cut to the heart because the gospel message cuts to the heart and we need to respond to it. And so that the people listening said to one of the church leaders, Peter and the rest of the leaders, brothers, we've heard this great news. We've heard this gospel news. We know that we can't save ourselves. We need, we need this good news. What do we do? And Peter says, repent, turn from your sin and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in baptism, we have three participants we want to be be thinking about. First of all is the believer. The believer in Jesus, someone who has recognized their need, recognize their sin, recognize they fall short, and put their trust in Jesus for salvation. Someone is saved, is brought out of darkness and into the light, out of doom to hell, and, and, and into life eternal in the presence of God. A person becomes a believer because of their faith in Jesus. That is what saves. And so, that is when transformation occurs. That is when the Spirit lives within you as a follower of Jesus. Uh, but baptism then is this believer's profession, this, this proclamation, this public statement, I'm with Jesus. He's my rescuer. I, I want to be recognized as a Christian and part of a local church. And so a baptism includes a believer's profession of faith. And this is a a biblically prescribed action. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible really prescribes, sets apart this this, uh, example that we are to then be baptized to outwardly demonstrate what has already changed in our life because of God's work. So who's involved in a baptism? The believer. The church, the local church, is also an important part of a baptism. It's, it's you, church family, who as you watch a baptism, as you are witnesses to a baptism, and as we, as we prepare a person to be baptized, it's our role as a church family to affirm the believer who is making a credible profession of, of, Jesus, of faith in Jesus. Is this person understand the gospel? Does this person trust in Jesus for salvation? And then we are coming around that person, recognizing and affirming uh, their faith in Jesus. And, and, um, and so the believer has a part in baptism, and we as a church family have a part in baptism. And I think this is important. Baptism is, um, is the time, we, I mentioned this earlier, when we are publicly recognized as being a follower of Jesus, as being a Christian, as being part of a church. And baptism is always a very personal decision. 
It is very personal. It's between you and God in a sense. You need to recognize your need for him and put your faith in Jesus. So baptism is personal, but church family, it's never private. And I would add, this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but baptism is is also not a tourist attraction. The participants in a baptism are the believer in Jesus and his or her local church family affirming that person's belief. And so we choose to be baptized, it should be in the context of participation in the local church and a local church family that can recognize and celebrate that with us. The believer is involved in baptism, uh, the church is involved in baptism, and of course, God oversees baptism. God's promises are demonstrated. When a person is baptized, uh, God's promise is demonstrated. He, it, it, we see a demonstration of God's promise that you, follower of Jesus, are, are identified with Jesus in his death. To, and, and we identify with Jesus in his death as we are lowered under the water, symbolic of being dying to self and, and, and asking for forgiveness of sin. And then we are raised out of the water, signifying being raised to new life. And so uh, not only is the believer involved in baptism and the church affirms the believer, but of course in baptism we see God's promises demonstrated that we in Christ's death um, are, are forgiven of sin, that, that he has, Jesus has taken on himself the consequences for our sin, that, uh, that we are washed clean by God who forgives sin, and that we uh, are raised to new life. Let's look at um, Romans 6 on the screen. We've often referred to this as we prepare for baptism. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. And this, this is a great scripture that gives us an idea about that language we used earlier. Baptism is a visible and tangible expression of the gospel. So listen as the gospel is visually displayed. We were buried, therefore, with Jesus by baptism into death. We are lowered unto the water, under the water, signifying and kind of being identified with Jesus in his death, dying to our old self, recognizing our need, asking for forgiveness of a sin. And it says, we are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We are raised up out of the water, identifying with Christ's death, yes, but also with his new life, and that we might live a new life that is transformed, that is new uh, and in the presence of God now, not that things on our earthly journey are perfect and go well and everything's all right, but we identify with him in his death and his resurrection, and we are raised to walk in newness of life. So is this a hallway where the Spirit is active? I think so. I think so, because at, at, at the moment of conversion, you receive the Spirit. When you became a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God came to live within you and regenerated, gave you a new heart. And we've had the Spirit living within us ever since you trusted in Christ. And so baptism is another opportunity. It's not what saves us, but it's, a, it's an opportunity to outwardly portray what has changed in our life, what the Spirit of God has done by coming in and rescuing us from sin and death, bringing us salvation, and beginning the transformation process. <clears throat> when I was studying this week, 
One of the resources, excuse me, <clears throat> one of the resources as I was studying this week says this on the screen. Baptism is a visible form of the gospel. But not just is it, is it the, the gospel being proclaimed. We watch it and we see the gospel proclaimed. We watch a baptism and we identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus. But it says not just is the gospel being proclaimed, but baptism also displays the gospel being believed and received. As we as a church family surround and celebrate with someone being baptized, we are seeing the gospel believed and received. We are seeing that they have put their trust in Christ, that they want to be identified as a Christian, that they set themselves apart from the world and receive the gospel good news for salvation. So in regard to this first ordinance of baptism, uh, we have an opportunity in two weeks from today to celebrate baptisms together as a church family. And if you are a follower of Jesus who has not yet obeyed Jesus' command to proclaim outwardly, the rescue that has already happened inwardly, we would invite you to consider being baptized. And so in two weeks from today, we will gather here in the morning as usual, and then we're going to head over to Dallas City Park, and as Jake said, uh, eat a, a, what'd you say? a delectable lunch, I believe is what he said. And then he said the word dope. That was awesome. <laughs> we're going to enjoy a great lunch together, and then after lunch together, we're going to... Um, sharing these time of baptisms as we do every year in the creek. Uh, just a really special time, really awesome opportunity. And so, if you're a follower of Jesus who has yet to be baptized, I want to invite you to consider that. And, and today is an opportunity to talk with us about baptism. Uh, it's no pressure. It's not forcing you to sign on the dotted line. It's, do you need to know more about baptism? Do you want to talk to us, uh, one of us on staff, about your faith journey and what have been your milestones and are you a believer in Jesus and have you been baptized yet and should I be baptized? Anything along those lines we'd love to talk with you about today. Uh, myself, Pastor Matt, Pastor Jake, and Debbie will all be back in that area in the back corner of the room near the prayer wall after the gathering's over today and we would love to talk with you uh, so that we have a couple weeks to talk with you and prepare you if indeed God is leading you uh, to follow him in baptism. So we need to know that. If you're interested, we need to know that. So a great way to do that would be t touching base with us today, briefly, talk with us today. Or if you can't for some reason, reach out as soon as you're able to, contact the church office, uh, let, uh, or let any of us on the staff team know that you're interested in baptism so that we can follow up with you and uh, have some time before the 20th to prepare you. Questions about that? Any questions about the opportunity to celebrate baptisms together? Any questions about your opportunity as a believer in Jesus to follow him in baptism? I think I failed to mention along the way that it is our, our practice here is to baptize believers in Jesus. So, so those that have already been rescued by God as they put their faith in Jesus. Uh, we, is our, it is our practice around here to baptize those who have come to an age, whether they're young or, or my age or beyond my age, doesn't matter. We want to celebrate baptism with all of you that have not yet done that since you became a believer in Jesus. And we could talk to you more about that. All right. Well, I am gonna, we are going to share in a time of, of sharing in the Lord's Supper here in a moment. Uh, and I'll just talk briefly about that as well. But before we do, let me pray. Pray with me. 
Father in heaven, we uh, just thank you for the gospel. We thank you for this spectacular news that we are not left stuck in our sin, but that you sent your son to live, die, and be raised again so that we too can have new life. So thank we, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that salvation is, is a gift of your grace through faith in Jesus. We thank you that, that salvation is not anything that we do, any effort that we put forth, any rule-keeping that we can do, any trying to be a good person. We thank you that our salvation, being rescued out of death and into life, is a gift of your grace as we put our trust in Jesus. So God, would, would you just use this church family to continue to make much of Jesus? I pray that our Sundays together would exalt Jesus, and I pray that your work in our lives and through our lives would exalt Jesus to everyone around us. And God, as we pray that we as a church family would exalt Jesus, we also join in praying for a sister church in Polesville, Washington, Olympic EFC, and their, their, their pastor, Mark, and their church family. We pray that they too would be strengthened by your grace, empowered by your spirit, to live out their identity as spirit empowered ministers of the gospel in their community. Father in heaven, uh, we pray your, your, that your grace would abound to them, your grace would be sufficient for them as they go through the challenges that many uh, uh, churches do, as they look for uh, you to raise up leaders, as they look for those that are needed to serve in various areas. God, would you just encourage them, come alongside them, and continue to faithfully um, lead them forward. And Father, now as we prepare to share in the Lord's Supper, show us how the Lord's Supper, too, is a hallway where your spirit is active. We want to celebrate baptisms with those that will be baptized in a couple weeks. And today, we want, we want to give ourselves to regular, consistent reminders of our need for you, of our need for the gospel. We want to give ourselves, as we share the Lord's Supper, to recognize Jesus' death for us. Thank you, God, that you love us so much and that you demonstrated your love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. In Jesus' name, amen. So the other ordinance that we are celebrating together today is the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in a few moments, uh, when we give instructions, we have a few, uh, a few people that will serve the elements to you, that will pass the cracker and the juice out to you. Uh, we will announce that, those people that are ready to do that. In a few moments, we'll explain when that will start. And you'll be receiving uh, a cracker and a cup of juice. And, and believers in Jesus are invited to join and share in this. We're super glad that you're with us. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, we are glad that you are here today. And, and we just encourage you to go ahead and let the elements pass by. 
But for those of you that have put your trust in Jesus, we gather as, as believers to share in the Lord's Supper together. The cracker and the juice, of course, signify the body and blood of Christ. And as we've already talked about this morning, this, is a, this Lord's Supper is a visible and tangible expression of the gospel. It, it's visible because as, as the world sees believers sharing in the Lord's Supper, it sets us apart as those who have trusted Christ. And it's, and it's, a, and it's a tangible reminder of the gospel as we eat and drink and, and are urged to, as we eat and drink, consider the body and blood of Christ given for you, taking, taking our sin upon himself, taking the punishment and the consequences that we for our sin deserve. It's a visual, a, a visual and tangible reminder of the gospel as we share as a church family in the Lord's Supper. It proclaims the Lord's death. It might be something that you've done many, many times. But look what the verse says. It says every time you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death. And you know what? He's coming back, it says up there. Jesus is coming back. And he will reign from the right hand of God and he will reign and he will restore all things to the way they should be. And until he comes, we have an opportunity to remind our own hearts that Jesus has rescued us and we have our uh, opportunity by sharing in the Lord's Supper to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so the very next verse in, Corinthian, in 1 Corinthians 11 says this, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. So we're going to take time now to pause and, and there will be some soft music but I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to give you time to, to connect with God. I'm going to give you time to do what the scripture encourages us to do there, to, to examine ourselves, to bring ourselves before God, acknowledge our sinfulness, acknowledge the ways in which we go our own way and go against his ways, confess your sins to him, ask for forgiveness, examine ourselves, talk with God, reflect on our need for him, and as you do, receive his love. Receive the forgiveness of your sin because of what Jesus has done for you.